All right, we're getting started. Good evening. Glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here tonight. A couple of quick announcements. First off, our meal was awesome. We want to thank anybody that had a part in that. Good job on our meal tonight. And then if you haven't heard, I want to let you know our youth are meeting with us tonight. As of yesterday evening, Marco and Danielle have twins, have a little boy and a little girl. I haven't seen their names put out or any pictures put out, so I won't, I'll let that go to them. I won't spoil that. Uh, but we're excited. They're supposed to be on their way home tonight about 5.30 or 6. So they're probably making their way home uh, to a good night's sleep tonight. <laughs> Not really. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer tonight. Hey, Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for the good things that you bless us with. We're thankful for a church family to fellowship with. We're thankful for a great meal. And uh, we praise you for it. Lord, I, I come down and just, as we begin this time of Bible study, I pray that you would speak uh, that you would lead, that it would be your truth. I pray for our kids, uh, our littlest kids meeting right now, our youth in here with us, uh, our other adult classes meeting as well. I pray that uh, the truth goes out, that a foundation is laid, and that it's the, the, a foundation of truth. Again, uh, we, we just come and ask that you bless our time together tonight. We pray uh, for Marco and Danielle and their family tonight. Bless them. We pray for a great night tonight and, and a good night's rest, and I pray uh, for a home that would be centered on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, praise you for uh, your faithfulness all around us that we see. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're in uh, week 26 of our Bible study called The Grand Scheme of Things. Our lesson tonight is entitled, The Peril of People Professing to Be Wise. The, per the Peril of People professing to be wise. As of last week, uh, in our study, we've moved into the book of Judges. We've been going along, hammering along, uh, seeing, seeing the scripture, seeing Christ Jesus uh, in, in scripture. We've moved our way to the book of Judges. Uh, tonight, we're going to look mainly at two chapters, uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7. Uh, I would encourage you to read the entire book. Uh, we're not able to, to come and to cover that much in our class uh, on Wednesday nights, but I encourage you to read the entire book, but tonight we're going to focus on mainly these two chapters, uh, chapter 6 and 7. The key point tonight is this. When people turn to their own logic, now think about that, when people t turn to their own logic and their own devices, trouble and grief will surely follow. In our study, when we catch up tonight with the Israelites, uh, we find them in a very familiar pattern and that pattern is they turn away from God, they reject him, they rebel against him. Last week we saw the two words, uh, they forget, which means they forget to remember him. Uh, he's been with them, they've crossed the Red Sea, they've crossed the Jordan River, he has provided for them and they forget about him, that seems crazy. And the word they forsake him, they forsook him, which means this, they left him, they actually knew him knew who he was and decided something was better and they forsook God. They, they left him, turned away from him. Well, that's the pattern. They rebel against God. When they do, they suffer the consequences from turning away from God. Now, the truth of that is this. Sin always has consequences. You may think, well, no one knows, no one sees, it's not a big deal, this, this is a small issue Sin always has consequences. Well, they turn away from God, and so now they suffer the consequences. In the middle of those troubles, now when you read the book of Judges, 
Uh, it's the same as the previous books, but um, they, a nation will take them over. They suffer harm. Sometimes it's for eight years. Sometimes it's for 40 years. Uh, they have great trouble. In the midst of their trouble, they cry out to God. They cry out for help. God hears. He's gracious. He reminds them of his word. Now, he may send a prophet in the book of Judges. He's going to send a judge, but he's going to remind him who, who he is. He's going to remind him of his word, and that judge is going to lead them uh, back to following God. That is the pattern. They rebel. They get into trouble. They cry out in the midst of trouble. God is gracious. He sends help, and the people return and promise to follow God, and life is restored. Now, that seems like a crazy pattern to happen over and over and over and over again. Let me show you a picture. That is our dog. We have four dogs. Uh, that dog's name is Sonny Davis Jr. His brother was named Sammy Davis Jr., but Sammy ran into some trouble for chasing the neighbor's cows, and so he's no longer with us. Uh, so this is Sonny Davis Jr. Here's the, here's the crazy thing about Sonny Davis Jr. Four or five times a year, he goes and gets a fight with a porcupine. And he, we come out in the morning, and this is what he looks like. Sometimes they're in his mouth, sometimes they're in his throat. There's a couple of these stuck in his ears. And I, I'm always blown away that he doesn't learn. How many times? Four times this year, five times. $100 a pop. Get them all pulled out. Knock him out. He'll bite you if you try to pull him out. And you think, we've left him a couple days like that. Maybe, maybe two days like that, uh, he'll learn, I don't want to do this. Guess what? If he sees a porcupine... A couple times it was a week apart that he goes and jumps right back on that. And you just, you just wonder, what in the heck is wrong with Sonny Davis Jr.? He's got to be smart than that. He's got to learn. He never learns. Well, for the Israelites, it's the, same, it's the same problem and the same pattern of Sonny Davis Jr. You wonder, how in the world does this happen? What is their problem what in the world would, would lead them to go right back to the trouble that they had? Well, there are several places that it's explained how this keeps happening, but the best explanation is in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Judges chapter 21, verse 25 says this. Now, I'll just tell you what it says. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's the problem. How do we get so far off course? How do we have all this trouble? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Not according to what God has said, not what according to what God has taught them, not according to any other standard. What they do is they say, you know what, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to do that. This is what I have decided is acceptable. So th this is what I'm going to do. And so they do what's right in their own eyes. Now, here's what happens. You end up with people who are selfish, who are sinful, who are not wise. For sure, they're not perfect in wisdom like God is, and they're just doing what they want. And that's just the way to explain that. They're doing what they want. I want to do this, I'm going to do it. And, and, if, you, and if they want to do that, they do the same thing. And it's, it's not just one person, it's everybody. So you're doing what you want to do, and they're doing what they want to do. The neighbors are doing what they want to do. The, the folks over there, they're doing what they want to do. And it literally becomes this. 
the blind people are leading the blind people. We're not smart. We make terrible decisions. We wreck everything. And yet I want to do what I want to do. So I'm going to do that thing. And I launch off. And somebody else says, well, I'm going to get in with them. I'm going to do what they want to do. And, and, and the blind people literally end up leading the blind people. We're going to play a game tonight to, to make a point of this, uh, to illustrate this. And, and I'm going to need two people. Dina, if you'll help me, I always call on Dina. She's been just loafing around all day, so she's ready to play this game. And then I'm going to ask Kale if you'll come help me. His hair's getting so tall, he wants to help with everything, so he's... All right, here's our game. I'm going to explain the game to you. Here are three things to put things in. They're offering plates. You can look at that on Sunday. All right? In this pile, there are things that are shaped like triangles. There are things that are shaped like squares. And there's some other ones like circles. And so what Dean is going to try to do, we're going to blindfold you. You're not going to know which one of these is for which thing. After you're blindfolded, I'm going to put this in front of it. And so the, uh, one shape will go here, one shape will go here, one shape will go here. So you're blindfolded. Your job is to, to pick a thing, figure out what it is, maybe tell Kale or show Kale, and then he's going to tell you which one to put it in. And that's the game. All right? Does that make sense? So after you're blindfolded, we're going to take these things, put them in front of the, the, the bowls and so we know which one they go into, and then he's going to help you. All right, here's your blindfold. I'll let you put it on. Don't cheat. I'm not a cheater. Okay. All right, you can't see. Let me help you right here. You're going to be right here. Here's your pile of stuff. All right. The square things are going to go on this one. The round things are going to go in this one. And the triangle things are going to go in this one. All right, so we're going to go one at a time. You pick a thing, and then you figure out what it is. Kale's going to tell you where to put it. You've got to listen to him. You, now, Kale, your job is to see what this is and tell her to put it in the right bowl. And you're trying to help her. She has a square. And he said, put it in the middle. All right, let's do another one. This one is what? Round? All right, where should she put it? So far, so good. Let's do another one. Pick another one, Dina. That was the triangle. They put it to the left. All right, let's stop right there for a second. We're going to continue to play, but we're going to up it a little bit. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to make it interesting. You got it where you can't? Got your good shape? All right, here, we're going to play another round. All right, pick you one. Put your hands behind your back, Kel. All right, that is a, Kel, what is that? It's a circle. Dina says it's not a circle. What is it, Dina? It's a triangle. So where should they go? Wow. All right. Let's go get you another one. K, 
Kel, what is that? Okay, where does that go? Right there, good. Actually, that is a square that goes in the middle. All right. Dude, take your blindfold off. Look at Kale. <laughs> he can't see either. All right, thank you very much for your help. That's the, that's the. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. And you're sitting there going, that's a dumb game. That is ridiculous. The blind leading the blind. Literally, that's what's happening. Well, let me ask you, what does that lead to? When the blind leads the blind, what does that lead to? What does that end in? When people are operating in their own wisdom, what does that end in? Here's what it ends in. She had a blindfold on. He had a blindfold on. You can't see. You can't see. When that happens, it ends in darkness. It ends in darkness. Now, here's the deal. The darkness always gets darker. Have you noticed that? When there's darkness, if there's not light introduced, it gets darker. And, and you think, well, maybe we'll figure something out. Maybe Kel will guess. He guessed a couple pretty good. Maybe he'll guess and we'll find light. The darkness always gets darker. Now, I'll just tell you this. There's a reason I didn't read the second half of the book of Judges. When you read the second half of the book of Judges, especially the last chapters, it is crazily dark. Uh, the things that happen are unspeakable. And some of you are going, I got to go home and read that now. It is grotesque what happens in the last of the book of Judges. It is heavy. It is dark. And when you read that, you go, what in the world has happened? What There is murder and there is all sorts of just crazy stuff that happens in the end of that book. What in the world happens? Well, let me tell you this. It is the same thing that's happening today. And I look at things and I look at things in our culture and go, how does this ever come about? How does this ever happen? What in the world is going on? It's the exact same thing today. People do what they think is right in their own eyes. They don't care what the Bible says. And the result is a growing darkness. Let me give you some examples. This one floors me. And I'm just going to say it. This is on the internet, so get ready for mail coming in the rest of the week. Did you know there are two genders? There are two genders. There's a male and there's a female. There are two genders. Now listen, that's not, that is what the Bible says, but listen, that's a scientific fact. There are actually doctors today. There's folks with PhDs teaching at places that have decided to back off of that and say, well, somebody says there's more than two genders or gen there are genders on a spectrum, and so we're not going to say that anymore. Guess what that is? The blind leading the blind. Guess where that ends up in? Absolute darkness. Let me just keep going. Here's one. Marriage is between one woman and one man. That's what the Bible says. Sexual relations are to be in the, in the case of marriage. Guess what people say? We can change that. We can do something different. That wasn't for all time. And they change it. Guess what that is? That's the blind leading the blind. Guess what it ends? In total darkness. Let me tell you another one. The Bible says all human life is made in the image of God. There is no person not made in the image of God. All human life, listen to this, carries the value of Jesus. You know why? 
because he would come and serve as a ransom, purchasing back sinful people. You want to know your value? It's the value of Jesus. You are created in the image of God. Well, guess what? Today we have folks that decide which people's lives have matter. Maybe the unborn don't matter. Maybe the older folks don't matter. Maybe certain other folks don't matter. Maybe folks that don't live in our, in our neighborhood. And you go on and on and on. Guess what that is? All lives are made in the image of God. All lives carry the value of Jesus. And it's the, it's the blind leading the blind. It ends in darkness. You can go on and on. Look at this child trafficking in our culture. Another thing, another thing. It ends in darkness. And here's the truth. The darkness always gets darker. You say, well, how do we get there? It's the exact same way. When people do what is right in their own eyes, here's where we end up. All right, we're going to go back to our Bible study. From there, we could have looked at several of the judges in the Bible. In the book of Judges, there are 12 judges. I believe in the Bible, there are 15 judges. Now, there's three that are, that are listed or talked about outside of the book of Judges. There are 12 judges. Now, some of the judges in the Bible are well known. Samson was a judge. We know about him. Deborah was a, was a judge. We know about her. Gideon, a judge. We know about him. But then there's other ones. We don't even know their names. When you read their names, you go, I didn't know that person was a judge. And so there's all these judges told to us in the book of Judges, and, and, and some we know, some we do not. But I pulled out one judge that we're going to look at. Now, you say, well, why would you just pick one? Because the pattern is the same. Now, the events are different. Some of the events are absolutely wild, but the pattern is the same. They follow God. They rebel and turn against God. They get themselves in trouble. They cry out for help. God sends grace in the person of a, of a judge to lead them back to the truth, lead them out of trouble. They reaffirm God's word, and they live in peace for a time. So the pattern is the same, and so we're just going to pull out one judge, and look at that judge. All right, we're in Judges chapter 6. This is where we're going to land tonight. Gideon is the judge. This is the account, Genesis chapter 6. Starts off and it says this. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian several years. All right, coming into chapter 6, God had blessed them. God had done good things. They had again promised to serve God. Then they've done what's evil in the sight of God. They did what they wanted to do. It wasn't according to what he has said. They did evil in his sight. And so he turns them over to the consequences. He actually turns them over to a judgment. The, the Midianites, the, the country of Midian, they will come and overtake them. All right, verses 2 through 6. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and would go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts in, for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was bought 
brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. All right, in that account, the Midianites come, the Amalekites come with them. The Israelites have planted crops. They've planted fields. They've got grain growing. They've got livestock. And here comes this army. Here comes this, this nation, these people. And the Bible actually says you couldn't count them. You couldn't even count their camels. And they would eat all the crops. They would eat up all the hay. They would eat up all the grain. They would, they would take all the stuff they wanted to do. And the Israelites were so scared of them. Here's what they did. They found holes, caves in the mountains, and they went and hid. They didn't say, hey, I'm going to fight. Hey, you can't have my stuff. They, they made themselves scarce, and they went and hid. So they did evil in the sight of God. Trouble comes. These people come. In, in verse 5, it says they devastated them. In, in verse 6, it says they were brought very low. Understand this. It wasn't like, man, this is tough. Man, this is bad. It was intense suffering. We're starving to death. Our kids are starving to death. We don't know how we're going to make the winter. We don't know how we're going to make it. If we come out, they're going to kill us. They're brought very low. They're suffering. It's intense. And it says this. Here's what they do. They call out to the Lord. They call out to God. Here's a weird truth. And I, I want you to think about this, and I want you to remember this, and I want you to know this. Here is a weird truth. God always saves a repentant people. There's, there's no place that there's not a people, there's a people that cried out in repentance, that turned to God in repentance, that he wrote them off. God always saves a repentant people. There's no limit to how many times. It's never too much. It's never too many times. If they will repent, if they'll cry out to him, if they'll turn to him in faith, he always saves them. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about Sonny Davis Jr. Do you know every time that happens, that costs $100? You know, he's worth about 50 and we got about 500 in him. Did you know he comes home this morning, it was dark, and he comes up, runs into Carrie, and sticks those things in her leg. She wanted to kick him. How many times is Sonny Davis Jr. going to come home and we're going to say, come on in, Sonny, you're all right. How about another $100? We're gracious. We're nice. We like him. We understand. But you know what? There's got to be a limit. Do you know there is no limit if you will turn to God in repentance? If you will cry out to him, he doesn't say 22 times is too many. This thing's too big. That thing's too ugly. He doesn't say that. He says, if you'll turn and you'll repent, he'll save you. That is our God. That is the character of our God. So they cry out. We've messed up. We're living in gopher holes up in the mountains. We have nothing. We're starving. And they cry out. All right, let's go. Verse 7 through 16. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up from Egypt. He has to remind them what he's done. And brought you out of the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from all your oppressors. And dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not obeyed me. He tells them. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Orpha which belonged to Joash the Abizite, the son of Gideon, 
was out beating wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. I'll explain that. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest of my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Let me explain what happens here. There's a guy named Gideon. He is terrified of the Midianites. He has some grain. I don't know he found some or grew some. He's got some secured. But he's scared to go out and, and, and thrash it where the Midianites will see him. If they come along and see him, he's out there knocking the grain out of the head. Uh, they see that, they're going to take it. Probably going to kill him, take his grain. So there is this old wine press that goes down to the ground where they used to trample out the wine. And he gets down in that hole in the wine press, and there he's threshing his grain. He is a chicken. He's scared. He's trying to get something to eat. He doesn't want the Midianites to see him. While he's there, says the angel of the Lord, the Lord comes and says, you're going to deliver my people. And he, he starts to say, well, I'm the least of, of our tribe. My family's the least of the tribe. I'm the least of the family. There's no way this is going to happen. And God says, you're the one that's going to do it. God calls Gideon. He's going to be the judge. He's going to lead the people out of trouble and back to God. Now, let me, let me just say this. Man, he must have been awesome. That's why God picked him. Actually, the answer to that is no. He's hiding. He's scared. He offers excuses. He actually starts to argue with God. Can you imagine God says, you're going to do this? Say, no, I'm not. You're going to do that. I don't know. I'm not going to do that either. He actually tries to talk God out of it. So I would say, well, he's the most unlikely. He's not a valiant warrior. He's the most unlikely. And so God chooses him because he has great faith. That's got to be it. God chooses him because he have great, has great faith. Let me actually tell you this. Actually, the answer to that is no as well. He's a great candidate. He's a mighty warrior. Nope, not at all. Well, he must have great faith. God could use anybody with great faith. Actually, the answer is no again. Let me read you verse 17. So Gideon said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Gideon says, I need a sign. I'm going to need a sign. If this is you, I need a sign. Well, the Bible tells us, you can read the account, he takes his lunch, uh, he has some bread, he has some meat, and he sets it on the rock ledge there, he sets his lunch there, and the angel of the Lord comes and takes his staff, touches his lunch, and his lunch bursts into flames and burns and it's gone. His lunch is gone. If this is you, let me know. <laughs> the angel of the Lord touches his staff, lunch burns up, lunch is gone. What would be a pretty good response right there? 
okay, it must be you. I haven't seen that happen before. We don't have microwave ovens. That's not something we're used to. So, so I'm going to follow you. Guess what? He needs another sign. He actually needs another sign. Let me read you another account. Chapter 6, verse 36 and 37. Then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and, the, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. So he says, you know what? I need another sign. I'm going to put out this fleece, this piece of of wool, and if the ground is dry and the fleece is wet, then I'm going to know you sent me. So I I need another sign. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm down in this hole. I'll put it there. And that is the test. Verses 36 and 37. 38 through 40. And it was so. When he arose early in the morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. He said, if it's wet, then I'm going to know this is the right thing. He squeezes, there's a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not let your anger burn against me that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. He says, I need a sign. He gives him a sign. Doesn't make any sense. How's that going to be wet, but the ground around it be dry? That doesn't make any sense. It's exactly as he says. But he says, don't get mad at me. I need another sign. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let there be dew on the ground. God did so that night for it was dry only on the fleece and dew was on the ground. He needed these signs. He needed confirmation all the way through. Now, at this point, it is a very strange picture. It's a very weird picture. It's not Gideon who's going to save, but it is Gideon who's going to be used in the, in, the, in the deliverance process. When they actually get there, they're going to shout out for Gideon and the Lord. So here's this weird thing. It's not Gideon. He, he doesn't show great faith. He needs all these signs. He's not a valiant warrior. He's hiding. It's not Gideon who's going to save, but it is Gideon that's going to be in the process. It's not great faith that drives Gideon but it does require faith for Gideon to be used. That seems crazy to me. It's not, well, look, man, his great faith. He says, could I get a sign? He gets a crazy one. He says, could I get another sign? He gets a crazy one. He says, could I get a sign? He gets a crazy one. So it's not great faith, but it does require faith. See this. Here's here's what I like about this account. God is gracious, and he leads him along. Isn't that that a pretty good picture? He doesn't say, man, you're too dumb. You're down in this hole, scared of your shadow. He doesn't say, you don't have great faith. he, He builds his faith, and he builds his faith, and he confirms his trust, and he leads him along. This is one of my favorite pictures. He takes this guy, and he leads him along. He leads him along. It's very similar to me to the picture in the New Testament in Mark chapter 9. Remember Mark chapter 9, Jesus comes along, there's this guy, 
His son is in, is in terrible shape. And, and Jesus says, I can heal your son if only you'll believe. That's what he says. And the father says this. It's, a, it's one of the great statements. He says this. I do believe. That's what he says. I do believe. And his next statement is this. Help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief. This is my favorite part of this account. God is working. And he's not just working on a grand scale. He's also working for Gideon. You know what, Gideon? You do believe. But you know what? It's not this faith. And so he's going to lead him to that faith. And he says, I do believe, but hell, my unbelief. And he, and he leads him along. All right, from there, the plan moves forward. Gideon's in. All right, I'm convinced. God's led him along. The plan moves forward. It's time to go and get rid of these folks. It's time we've been oppressed long enough. So he calls up the army, calls up all the, the men. We're going to go. We're going to get rid of them. He says, we need some folks and some men. And the Bible says 32,000 men. Um, that's more than three Vernons if they were all men. 32,000 men show up. The Midianites, it says they're, you can't count them. The camels, you can't even count. But 32,000 guys show up. Okay, we're going we're to go do this. Well, God says to, to Gideon, tell them if any of them are scared, go home. It's okay. If any of you are scared, go home. Here's what the Bible says. 22,000 of them went home. 32,000, 22,000. Can you imagine the, the cloud of dust as 22,000 people say, did he say if you're scared, go home? I'm, I'm headed home. I'm going home. There's no way. I, we can't even count their camels. 22,000 go home. There's 10,000 left. We can't even, this, this, this enemy is so great, we can't even count them. 22,000 just went home. This sounds crazy. 10,000 are left. All right, listen to what happens then. Chapter 7, verses 4 through 7. Then the Lord said to Gideon, listen to this, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them there for you. Therefore it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. All right, God says there's still too many. He says we're down to 10,000, that's too many. We're going to go down here, and I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a test, and who I tell you goes, goes. Who I tell you is not going to go, should not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Some folks are going to kneel down and drink. Others are going to pull the water up and, and lap the water out of their hand. Now the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink the water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and will give you the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. They go. God gives them their orders. There's 300 of them left. I have, to, I have to wonder, Gideon has seen the signs. Gideon's convinced. But does he start to say the way Joshua did at Jericho, this is, this is kind of a silly plan. 
I can't believe we're letting everybody go. Why don't we just keep them here in case something, something happens? They leave. He, he gives them exact orders. All right, we have the 300 men. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a torch, a lamp. We're going to put a, a pot over it. We're going to take a trumpet. We're going to take a sword. We're going to go on cue. We're going to shout. We're going to smash the lamp. When we smash the lamp, the torch is going to shine out. We're going to shout for Gideon and the Lord. That's our plan. We can't even count them. We go with the torch and a, and a horn, and we, we've got, we got swords in our, in, our, in our belt, and we're going to go, and we're going to try to drive out this enemy. The cue is given. They shout. They bust the lamps. The Bible says that the enemy is confused. Lights flare up. The horns start blasting. There's a big shout. The Bible says God confused them. And they began to run into each other. They began to, to, to fight each other. They began to leave. And the, the story goes that they are caught and they are defeated and the people are freed. I want to point out one thing there and then we're going to, we're going to get to the conclusion. Notice this. What they did required exact obedience. Where the people got in trouble saying, we're going to do what we want to do. They found success and deliverance in the favor of God when they operated in exact obedience. Now, here's, here's the point to that. It's still the same today. God tells you, if you're young, if you're in school, if you're older, if you're working a job, if you're retired, God says, here's how you should talk. Here's how you should treat people. Here's how you should be married. Here's how you should handle your finances. God says, here's the things you do to honor me. He actually tells us, and it's the best way to live. He's going to bless it. He's going to bless it if you're young. He's going to bless it if you're older. God's going to bless it. But it requires exact obedience. And so when you say, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't think that pertains anymore. I think things have changed. I don't care anyway. I want to do what I want to do. You will suffer, but here's the deal. If you will listen to what God says and walk in exact obedience, he will bless it. God delivers. God saves. It is very clear. It wasn't Gideon. We get to the end of the story, and you're like, Gideon sounds like a pretty nice guy. It wasn't him. He wasn't a great warrior. It wasn't the people. It wasn't the army. It wasn't their strength, their might. God saves them. All right, here's, here's the deal. We're about to shut it down. Here's the deal. Our lesson is called the grand scheme of things. All of these lessons, our Bible study, the grand scheme of things. In these things, we're starting in Genesis, we're going to Revelation. If you notice, we keep seeing Jesus. As we study, we keep seeing Jesus. Don't miss that. It's all about Jesus. Our Bible study is all about Jesus. Let me, let me tell you where he shows up at tonight. For us, when we fail in sin, and maybe you're here and you say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't done those things. Wish I hadn't gone to that place. When we fail in sin, when we fall into sin, here's the truth. When we call out for relief, he doesn't send a judge. He sends Jesus. And that's, where do we see him in this account? He sends not Somebody to point to the answer, he sends the answer himself, Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's how I want to end that. Are you, can you still put that picture back up there? 
Stick that picture up there. There. When we mess up and we show back up at the house like this, here's what Jesus does. He doesn't run us off. He doesn't laugh at us. He doesn't come out and beat us. He doesn't say, you know what, I got, I'm going I'm to mock you, make fun of you. He does this. He saves us in the person of Jesus Christ. That is our Savior. That is our hope. Grace without end, greater than our greatest sin, forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ. You show up and you turn to Christ, he'll save you. Just like Sammy. You know what? You come home, we, we may go, good grief. But you know what? In Christ, he, he doesn't say, you know what? It's time for you to go. In the person of Jesus, he saves us. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Glad you're here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your grace and kindness shown to us. We're thankful as we read this account. It's not some, some account so far back. It means nothing to us. We see you're gracious. We see you call for obedience. You see when we, we see that when we walk on our own, we get into trouble. We see Jesus. We see forgiveness. And so I pray for our youth here tonight that they would understand their, their goal, their mission is to turn to you, to walk with you, to, to point folks that are looking and wondering to the hope that we have in Christ. The rest of us, same thing. Our, our purpose, our mission, turn to you, walk with you, point others to you. We're thankful that you're gracious. Thankful that you don't run us off, don't laugh at us, but that you save us and forgive us, restore us and renew us. We thank you for that. Lord, we're thankful for today. We're thankful for tonight. We pray that you've been pleased in it and that you're honored through it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad you're here tonight.